You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, September the 15th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and on Fridays, we take a look at emails that we have received from individuals. Today, we're looking at one from Robin Schumacher. Now, as soon as I saw this title, I was a little bit perplexed. His title of his email is, Thank God for Justice Instead of Asking for Mercy When You Sin. Now, you know that I've been talking quite a bit on Law and Gospel about the differences between grace, mercy, and justice. What I normally say is mercy is God not giving you what you deserve, which would be eternal death in hell. Grace is giving you what you do not deserve, which is the forgiveness of sins. And then I would say that justice is giving you what you deserve, when God is just, especially to unbelievers, they get what they deserve. Now, what this article is saying is there's something else about justice. And I, I'm not going to disagree totally with what he has to say. He begins by indicating that he seeks forgiveness because he has a problem with sin. Wait, it gets worse. Some of my sins, he says, have been with me for a long time. I can recall them manifesting as early as elementary school and would likely remember them further back if my memory was able to go that far in reverse. I could detail everything for you, but instead I'll bubble them up into the main issue. I have a problem with idolatry. And no, not the kind where you physically bow down to some kind of carved image. He actually repeats what I have been saying for some time on Law and Gospel, that we never break any other commandment without breaking the first one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. An idol is anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Now, how can you tell if people have an idol? Take a look at why they grieve why they get upset, why they get sad. Uh, a lot of times it is because of earthly reasons, like they didn't get their job, they didn't pass a test, they didn't get their boyfriend or girlfriend they wanted, their family isn't the way they want it to be. Uh, they may even lose their occupation and vocation. So, this is idolatry. 
because we think more of our earthly goals and purposes and dreams than we do of Jesus Christ. So, here's what I likely do. He says, I grieve internally and then pray in a fashion to God, asking for his forgiveness and mercy for what I've done. Now that does sound familiar. But then he says, let me ask you something. Have you ever brought the same sin to God for the one millionth, 295,000th time, felt a slight chill go down your back and worried, maybe I've crossed the line for the last time when God's mercy is concerned. I know many Christians who felt there was a point of no return for a believer who can't shake a particular sin. It's as if they literally thought, sure, Jesus said to Peter, forgive 70 times seven, but what happens at sin 491? Now, I think he's misunderstanding what Jesus had to say there. Jesus was just using figures to indicate that we continue to forgive someone regardless of the number, whether it's 491 or 4091. For example, those of us who work with gay people will often find that they recognize they need to repent of their lifestyle. But then they fall back into that thinking again and again. And then they repent again and again. Does the pastor forgive them again and again? The answer is, a pastor always relies on the word of the individual. If they say they are repentant of a sin and they are asking for God's help in not doing that sin, then we can forgive them. There's even a little program that can be used for the forgiveness of sins. But Robin goes on. If you ever agonized over exhausting God's mercy and wondered if he's washed his hands of you for the last time, let me suggest something that I learned a short while back that really helped me. Instead of asking for God's mercy the next time you fail, thank him for his justice. Now, you see, if you think justice is getting what you deserve, boy, you don't want to thank God for that. Because what we deserve is punishment and eternal hell. So what is Robin talking about? He's talking about that where sin is concerned, it's God's justice 
that keeps us out of the literal frying pan. So what does he mean by that? Well, the justice of God is one of his communicable attributes. God has non-communicable, that's something we can inherit traits, such as immutability, infinity, and self-existence. His communicable qualities are both non-moral and moral with an example of the former being tribute attributes like majesty and wisdom and the latter being his righteousness and justice. Now, when I think of God's immutable characteristics, it is that he is all-knowing, that he is all-powerful, and that he is all-present. That's omniscience, omnipotence, omnipotence, and omnipresent. In other words, he's everywhere. He knows all things. He's all-powerful. I don't have any of those attributes. But God also needs to be just or righteous in regard to our sins. What does the Bible say? Well, in 2 Corinthians 9, 9, his righteousness endures forever. In Zephaniah 3, verse 5, the Lord is righteous. He will do no injustice. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He does not fail. Now, that is Zephaniah talking to the believer. It's not talking to the unbeliever. Because for the unbeliever, it appears that God does do injustice in the sense of giving us what we deserve. Psalm 145, verse 17. All his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Now that was Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. Now we need to think of his righteousness as being more than just his justice. His righteousness is what he gives to believers so that they are righteous in his sight. Nobody goes to heaven without being declared righteous in the sight of God. Now, how does that come about? Well, it does deal with God's justice. 
his justice at the cross of Christ. For what he does at the cross is he brings to us a word of forgiveness. If God remained unjust, that would mean we get what we deserve. But because of the death of Jesus Christ, God now is reconciled with us. That's in Corinthians, which means he no longer holds us accountable for our sin when we believe in Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? What it means is that we trust his promises. It doesn't mean that we follow his commandments and obey them perfectly. Now, there are times when through the power of the Holy Spirit, we do obey the commandments of God. But that's in the life of sanctification. No unbeliever can ever obey a commandment of God because he is not filled with the Holy Spirit. But as believers are filled with the Holy Spirit, then we learn the wisdom of Jesus Christ. That is how to behave in this world. And at times, we are able to bear the fruit of faith. Now, it may look like a good work, but in reality, it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're attached to the vine of Christ, and therefore we bear fruit. Now, what's interesting about this in thanking God for justice is Robin quotes Martin Luther. Here's what he says. This is Martin Luther before he understood how God's mercy and justice are intertwined. He wrote, I greatly long to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans, and nothing stood in the way but that one impression, the righteousness of God because I took it to mean that justice is whereby God is just and deals justly in punishing the unjust. My situation was that, although an impeccable monk, I stood before God as a sinner, troubled in conscience, and I had no confidence that my merit would assuage him. Therefore, I did not love a just God, but rather hated and murmured against him. So the article shows that Luther initially viewed Christianity like all other religions do where God is not merciful, 
but he is always just in punishing our sin. These religions, they worship a deity either who dispenses justice at the expense of mercy or mercy at the expense of justice. However, Luther finally realized that Christianity is unique in that God delivers his mercy through his justice. But here we have to understand what act was his justice. It was at the expense of the death of his son. The Bible is clear that Christ died for all of the sins of the world. God's justice is therefore satisfied because Christ paid the penalty for our wrongdoings. And so we get Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No judge exacts double payment for a crime. And God, being infinitely merciful and grace, won't do that with us, no matter how much we fail, as we are believers in Jesus Christ. Yes, here on earth, may we receive the negative consequences of our sin. That is not forgiven. You get stopped for a speeding ticket. Uh, you rob a bank. You steal money. The judge will not forgive you, even if you are repentant. A lot of lawyers try and make their clients repentant so that they'll get a lesser sentence. But a lot of times that just doesn't happen. They get the judgment from the court, which is the judgment from God. They receive the consequences of their due penalty. But when we're talking about members of the church and we're talking about God's judgment in regard to heaven, then you never receive what you deserve. You receive instead his mercy in not getting what you deserve and his grace in getting you what you do not deserve. Now, all of that is because God is just in the sense of making sure that your sins are forgiven by the death of his son on the cross. Jesus experienced the justice of God. In the words, my God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? In the Aramaic, it means, My God, my God, why have you left me alone? Jesus was all alone on the cross, and even God the Father had turned his back on him because he had all of our sins. When we realize that we are forgiven, that doesn't mean that we have a license to sin. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2 explains that. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? And that's because of the power of the Holy Spirit within us making us aware of how our sin is always breaking the first commandment and is an act of idolatry toward God in making other gods rather than him. It does mean that those who have been saved by grace through faith can rest from worrying that we will deplete God's mercy with our failures. Because when he did his justice at the cross, it prevents him from ever condemning us. That's Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, for the Christian, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, how are we in Christ Jesus? We do not make a decision to believe in Jesus, but God makes a decision to grant us faith either through the sacrament of baptism or through hearing the word of God. Many missionaries are at work overseas, and a lot of times they aren't able to do baptisms, but they still speak the word of God. And the word of God makes all the difference. Remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're walking around talking about how can we understand that our Lord Jesus was crucified? And what's this about the women saying he's risen from the dead? Well, Jesus met with them and he gave them probably the greatest Bible study ever. And how did he do that? Did he give them evidence from human nature that he was the Christ? No, there is no evidence that Christianity is true. The only reason it is true is because of the word of God. And that's what Jesus did. He spoke to them 
the word of God. He did not reason with them. But as he spoke the Bible passages from the Old Testament, it says their heart began to burn within them because Jesus was giving them the reasons why he had been crucified. Jesus was giving them the reason why he had risen from the dead. And they were extremely happy. They ran back to the disciples, the apostles, and told them the good news. And they all rejoiced at what they heard. Except remember for Thomas. He said, no, unless I see him, uh, unless I feel the wounds in his side, I will not believe. But then the following week, when Thomas does see Jesus, there's no mention of him touching Jesus. He instead realizes that this is the Jesus who was raised from the dead. And he says, my Lord and my God. That's Thomas recognizing Jesus as God himself. Yes, there's no doubt that God's justice at the cross is what forgives your sin and therefore takes away the justice of him getting even with us for our sin because Christ paid the price. And therefore, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we have no fear that God will keep his promise and bring us to heaven, not because of our works, but because of the works of Jesus Christ. And we're saved by faith, not to boast of our works. That is the essence of Christianity and helps us to understand the proper understanding of God's justice. Join us Monday, where we'll continue with our law and gospel teaching with a Bible verse. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for much for listening. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.